Blog Talk Radio. Welcome on to another edition of the Our Big Show. This is episode number two, and uh, recently I just took a look, and this is actually season number five, so excited about that. Our second uh, show of the season as the Rutgers Scarlet Knights head into Columbus, Ohio, to face Ohio State in game two of the season, fresh off of a 35-7 victory over Texas State last week. And uh, I want to welcome uh, my co-host here, Rutgers Mo. Uh, any thoughts about the uh, performance you saw last week against uh, the Texas State Bobcats? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Sorry, a little technical difficulty there. So, uh, welcome back. Uh, we had a it's week to oxes. digest that in. It's, it's, it's oxes, O-X's, O-X's, or X's and O's, the oxes. Um, no, seriously, I'm glad, I'm glad we won. We did it, I think, in convincing manner. Our defense was good. Um, our tour, as a freshman, overall, gets a passing grade. No pun intended. Uh, three picks is not good. One touchdown is better than, you know, I actually expected. And uh, we were running the ball well. So I think overall we get a um, a definite a B. We get a B. That's the way I would grade it. How about you? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, obviously one of the more anticipated things of the matchup was getting to see uh, – Sikowski play in his first live action. Um, as you said, you know, clearly he looks like a player that um, has the potential if he continues to mature to, to turn into a really good um, quarterback. Um, but like many young quarterbacks, he made some uh, mistakes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, num- the, the numbers show. Now, obviously, um, you know, there, there's different reasons for a lot of them, but uh, you know, there's room for improvement, but you, you know, it's been a long time since a Rutgers quarterback even threw for 200 yards. So uh, it was nice to see uh, not only that in McNulty's confidence in the play calling. Uh, I don't know if you got a sense sense of that, right? Uh, you know, 29 passes and uh, you know, spread uh, you know four or five receiver sets at times. 
Yeah, um, I know that I know that we were pretty balanced. I think that the numbers, if I'm not mistaken, were plus or minus one between passes and runs. I know Blackshear was used extensively, and at least unlike Ray Rice, who turned out to be pretty good at catching the ball, we've already found out that Blackshear can catch the ball. So we, we don't have to wait till he gets to the NFL to find that one out, right? We already know he can do it. Let's use him. And it looks like we are doing that. I think I feel really confident with McNulty. He's uh, fridge, I guess, if he was healthier and whatever would have been certainly on the same level, maybe ahead. I don't really know. But McNulty seems to be someone who fits very nicely into the puzzle that's Rutgers. Yeah, and I think, you know, you felt that there was a purpose with uh, the play calling. Um, you know, again, it's a, you know, a weaker opponent, but, uh, uh, you know, like you said, using Blackshear, getting him out, um, and you know, just uh, getting a flow, uh, you know, nice to see two, three tight ends in there. And, uh, you know, things that we haven't seen for a while. I, I you know, I, when Rutgers announced they were going to go to the spread type of offense a couple of years ago, um, you know, I, I said, you know, maybe it could be something that would be helpful. I always thought one of the tough things about being in the pro-style offense was that you kind of needed pro-type players, particularly at the quarterback position. But I also thought it was a little bit of a recruiting advantage that Rutgers had where, you know, receivers and guys, um, particularly in the want to be involved in the passing game at the next level, um, could say, well, you know, look, look at, you know, quite a few number of players and not just the Brit and Samus, but, you know, um, Harrison and, uh, you know, Tim Wright and, uh, you know, even Kalan Pratt that, that, you know, got playing time in his offense and were able to take it to the next level. So it was good to uh, yeah. see the play caller. Yeah, Underwood too, right? And I, I always yep. wondered what happened to Timmy. I always wondered what happened to Timmy Brown because I think he should have made it. The guy was – very quick, good hands, great. The the play that stands out in my mind, I guess, is the one at Connecticut with 20 seconds left to go when uh, Savage hit him on an 80-yard hookup, and we won the game. We came back and won it. After they had just come back and taken the lead with less than like about a minute and a half to go, uh, or, or less, less than probably a minute to go, and we came back within 20 seconds and won the game. That was incredible. Tim Brown was and that was the game, if you remember, that they were honoring his friend who had just been killed. I think Jazzy or something, uh, number six and number two, right? Two and six with the numbers. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that was one of the yeah. more uh, emotional um, plays probably in, in Rutgers history. So, um, yeah, we're definitely on this show tonight. We're going to, you know, kind of talk about, um, you know, just – you know, we can reflect on, on last week. It's tough to really reflect on those type of games other than, you know, you try to get out um, without, you know, as, as uh, few injuries as possible. I'm excited to have uh, Richie Schneider, right, of the night report coming on shortly. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the injury news, um, particularly with Bus Austin being out um, this week and, you know, some of his thoughts of what he saw last week and how that translates to this week. And then later in the show, we'll have uh, Chip Minnick of the uh, Ozone Net, a uh, Ohio State um, sports uh, blog and podcast uh, uh, to give us a little bit of insight on, on the Buckeyes side of things. So uh, without further ado, let me welcome uh, Rich onto the show. Hey, hey Rich, thanks, welcome sir. back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, you having me again. 
Yeah, you know, actually, I guess since the last time, um, you know, before we start talking football and talking Scarlet Knights, uh, you know, a little different um, in terms of uh, the representation, uh, you know, since those who follow the message boards, um, uh, you know, that the, the uh, get Scarlet Nation and Night Report and are, are now separate and, you know, kind of that. Uh, so tell me, uh, how has that been over the last, uh, I guess it's probably been six months or so, maybe not longer, and then how have your responsibilities on the site uh, increased? Yeah, I mean, right now it's uh, we just hit the six-month month mark uh, the other day. Uh, I was excited when I first started. Uh, honestly, I'm not going to lie, it was very hectic at first. Uh, a little in over my head when it first started, but like, Nowadays, it's it's pretty easy going as far as football goes. I'm uh, helping out, covering the team and all that, more than just recruiting what I used to do. It's more covering practices, helping out helping out our beat writer, Chris, at practices. And then uh, it's not just football. Like, I realize that fans want more than just football. They want wrestling, basketball, baseball, so on. And I, I love sports in general, so it doesn't bother me a bit. Well, maybe one day we'll get you on in the future. Uh, I've, I've thought about that, in, you know. You know, I, I don't know if it's a, something you could do regularly in terms of a podcast, but you know, a non-revenue mm-hmm. podcast that talks about soccer and talks about wrestling, and you know, there's probably a, a niche for that. You know, maybe not weekly, but it's probably something that could be done. So that's a good point. Yeah, most definitely. I know um, the cross draws a lot of people. Uh, women's soccer is one of the most. Well, I'm one of the most prestigious programs in the country right now. So, so I'm I'm, I'm uh, lucky to have um, a, you know Rutgers Mo from the uh, site here, as you may know him. So um, mm-hmm. he'll be uh, chiming in with you as well with some questions. So um, the big news, I guess, I wanted to touch really uh, is you know probably something that I took away from the game was I, you know I kind of felt good about. Uh, what I saw in Rutgers in their starting, uh, you know, 11 on both sides of the ball, like, you know, sure, uh, you know, the offensive line could have played a little bit better. Um, But, you know, you could, I felt the team looked a little, you know, you saw a talent level difference between this year and maybe the last two years. Um, But it's still very worrisome in terms of the depth and, uh, you know, you want to see them get out of these games um, healthy. So, you know, where what are the injury status? And then, you know, the big one being Bless Austin, who, you know, unfortunately made a great play and, uh, you know, immediately was, was hurt and had to limp off. Yeah, no, uh, we talked to Coach Ash today after practice. He said that um, Bless Austin's going to be inactive for the game, which, which is going to hurt for sure. He's arguably one of the better corners in the league or a conference, but, uh, yeah, it's going to hurt them a little bit, but I, I really trust the kid in Avery Young who's going to take his place for their, uh, Saturday's game versus Ohio State. He played 40-plus uh, snaps last week, I believe, and according to Pro Football Focus, he was the number two ranked coverage cornerback on the team last week. So despite him being young and not having the experience, he's, he's proved that he's pretty, uh, pretty sustainable back there. Uh, just from watching him because – Rich, this is Mo. I just wanted to jump in for a minute. Um, of course, losing Austin kind of hurts right now, and um, I, I don't want to get ahead of the uh, the curve here, but, you know, we are going up against Ohio State, arguably somewhere between number one and number four. It just, just depends on how you want to rank them. But 
Let's go mm-hmm. with number four for the time being. The way I look at it, you've got Austin, who's hurt, Avery, who's day-to-day or inactive for this game, Mason, who had a – he's out for the season, right, with a fracture. And yeah. I don't want to uh, go into neg- – well, For over, a little over a month, sorry. Okay. So he might, you're saying he might be coming back. Yeah, there's a good chance he'll be back by the end of the season. And with the new redshirt rule, Chris Ash could probably play him a couple more games and still get away with the redshirt. Oh, actually, I take it back. I'm yep. sorry. He redshirted last year. So, my, but my point was is, is actually a little bit different. Didn't want to go too deep into this, but actually the way I look at it, we're 11 people down. Because when mm-hmm. you look at the eight that we lost with the credit cards and all of that, four of mm-hmm. which have already been dissolved, four are still up in the air, and then you add in these three, that's, that's a lot of people that were down. And I'm, I'm agreeing with Jerry in a way. I think just maybe a, a nicer way or more diplomatic way of phrasing it is depth. And you're going up against a team that is just deep. I mean, they're at every position, they've got four- and five-star uh, recruits. If, they, if they're charitable, they take a three-star, I suppose. Yeah, of course, um, depth is an issue at Rutgers right now. I know, as you could tell, when Chris Nash first got here, the linebacker core was depleted. There wasn't much there. You can go to the quarterback room and look at that one, too, before Coach Ash took over, and then now where it's at. He's he's building depth slowly, but it's it's working. He's building depth every year. I know the linebacker core is pretty stocked up now. Look at the running backs. They've had Blackshear. They've had uh, – who they have now? Pacheco and, and uh, Hilleman, who came in as a grad transfer. But every year they've just nonstop building depth. The corners and the safeties are a little less than usual, obviously, but – same thing. Like, if you look at this year's class so far, he's got a couple corners coming in. He's got a safety coming in, and Connor Greco out of St. Joe's is going to be a player, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's all it's about right now. It's all about building depth. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy climb back to, to get into, you know, where you can compete with these teams. And, it, it, you know, Rutgers with the schedule, we talked about it, where, you know, you, obviously none of us are going to predict Rutgers to win this week, but I know that's right. Yeah. All right, let's put we'll put some pressure on the uh on the on the on the uh team now. But you know, you have the Kansas, Buffalo, Indiana, Illinois, Maryland, and you know, let's even say Northwest and a homecoming. Uh, where you know there's an opportunity to, to to win some games, but where the depth becomes an issue is, is is towards the middle, and then obviously the end of the season and how you know banged up you are for those games. But um, you know it is now. You know, I guess Rich, you want to get your opinion on on uh, you know what you thought about um, Sikowski because that's obviously uh, you know uh, was the big point that everybody wanted to see. Yeah. Um... I think this kid's got tons of potential. We uh, we actually just posted an article recently about his top couple plays, quarterback from uh, Central Florida defending national champs, starting out there. But uh, yeah, he uh, he evaluated his film, and the kid the kid thinks he's special. I've watched him a couple times in practice so far between spring and summer, and his mechanics are through the roof. I have never seen a quarterback in my couple of years covering Rutgers throw a ball like that. But whether it's a deep ball, the short pass, or whatever route you want to call it, he, the kid just throws a really, really nice ball. And I know it's still early. I know he's a true freshman. And, of course, they make mistakes. But I honestly think he's going to be the real deal for the next three to four years. 
And just, I think just a you, question. You saw... go, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Well, I, you know, one well, thing, I was just, quick I was point just before. Just... Yeah, good. It, it, I think that it was a lot of maturity, you know, and trust involved in the fact that 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 they made the decision to to start him last week, knowing that he was going to make this start here in Ohio State, and not that they were, you know, were going to sacrifice it, but they they could have, you know, you could have done the safe thing and and and, and gone, uh, you, you know, with say let's 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 bring him in last week. Um, you know, kind of uh, kept Rashino out there this week, and you know, bring him in the next week. But there was a lot of trust in, in there, and I think that that tells volumes. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with McNulty. Honestly, I know McNulty likes his quarterback specific. If you could tell by um, by uh, when he had Mike Teal back in the day, he was really good. He was a pro style quarterback, very very normal pro style. So. I know Rashino's kind of more of a dual threat, but he came in in spring. You just you kind of knew he had the job from kind of from the get go. Just the way he throws that ball is just it's something else to watch. How would you differentiate the way he throws it versus the way uh, Lewis does? What, what's the difference through like the, the? I'm in I'm in California and Oregon. I don't get to see the the, the practices mm-hmm. the way you do. What would I notice if I was there? Assuming that uh, you could big- uh, help me with the analysis. Yeah, the biggest downfall with um, Lewis, honestly, I, I don't think Lewis could be a heck of a quarterback in the future. The biggest downfall with him, though, is his accuracy. I've seen him overthrow guys. I've seen him underthrow guys. He, again, that kid has a – Lewis has a strong, a very strong arm. He could chuck it down the field. It's just a matter of being accurate and being smart with certain plays. We've seen plays where in the spring game where he just – it's just small little mistakes, like if you threw to this guy instead of into the double coverage, would have been a smarter decision. and. If you can kind of tell through the first game, Art really goes through, uh, through his progressions. He's very smart with it. He doesn't rush it. He takes his time. If he has to take the sack, he'll he'll take the sack. But as far as uh, as far as throwing the ball, the kid's just he knows what he's doing. He's playing an IMG. I think helped him the most out of everything. Do you think that we have the receivers that will work well with uh, our quarterbacks? Yeah, I think I think Bo's a, Bo's the number one. Obviously, he's a heck of a deep threat. I I don't know how he is in the mid and like low tier levels of uh of the game, but as far as a deep threat goes, he's the guy for that. When it comes to uh, the slot, I think I know Hunter Hayek is the starter technically on the depth chart when it comes to the slot receiver, but it looks yeah. like Eddie Lewis is going to take over eventually, maybe mid season or sometime by then. And by the time he's in his uh, – right now his hands are a little questionable, so I think that's the thing holding him back the most. But he runs a crisp route. He knows what he's doing. And then uh, Shameen Jones. Shameen Jones probably should have started last year, but if it wasn't for that injury, who knows what would have happened last year. Hmm. So let me ask you, I think um, – yeah, I was, wasn't sure whether we want to get into it, but – um, you know, what are your thoughts about Pacheco? Because I think that's uh, a wild card here. And, uh, you know, obviously he's converting from a quarterback, um, you know, to running back. And, you know, it's, it's, it looked like Rutgers also changed their blocking schemes a bit. Um, so he has to learn a little bit of patience. But, but what, 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 did, what do you see as a nat- in terms of the natural talent there? Well, Back uh, back when it was Scarlet Nation, I was writing recruiting for them. Me and um, Bobby Daring, who's uh, with 247 now, we were both super high on Pacheco. 
we thought he was a stud. We pushed as much as we could to get his ranking up as high as possible. I know it's tough because he doesn't play the best talent when it comes to South Jersey, but what are you going to do there? But when he comes, when he came into practice, he's a just a very hard runner. He runs differently than Blackshear and and uh, Hilleman. Hilleman, kind of a downhill guy, I guess. And Blackshear, you can move around. He's kind of that that Darren Sproles type. But when it comes to Pacheco, he throws head fakes. He throws his body into it. He'll push for that extra couple yards. It looks like. And uh, I think I think honestly, Pacheco should see a lot of carries come like midseason. Now, you also cover, um, obviously, recruiting. So, Rutgers brought in a new running back recruit this week in um, Karon Adams, um, Ohio running back who had, you know, offers. Um, I, I believe Rutgers was his only power five, but he had, you know, the, the local offers, uh, you know, from Toledo and, and, and Akron and those areas. But, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like, you know, a guy that may have been under-recruited for whatever, you know, purpose. But what are your thoughts on, on him and where he fits in the depth? Yeah, if, I, if I'm being 100% honest, it's kind of criminal that this kid doesn't have more offers. I know um, a lot of schools nowadays, they base it off the kids that come to camp. You come to camp, if you perform well, you get the offer. This kid didn't camp as much as he probably should have. And he, he might have went to, like, camps that like Ohio State – and stuff like that. That's where Rutgers found him out in Ohio at one of those camps. And he just, he's so fast. He's one of the fastest kids I've ever had to cover. I forget what his exact 100 meter time was, but it was 10.8. Something. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's just, I think yeah, that's his biggest. Sorry, go on. I couldn't hear you. No, I just, I think, I think it's 10.82 or something like that. I'm off by a little bit, yeah. but not much. Yeah, he, it's, it's just very impressive how fast that kid is. He's got that. The one thing he's going to have to work on is a little bit of toughness. We saw it a little bit in the video of uh, him at the Rivals three-stripe camp out in Ohio. Once he gets touched, he kind of just falls down. But once you could build that toughness up, that's easy to teach. But as far as uh, a running back, he's shifty, he's fast, and he should be a player down the line. Now, I guess we, can't your, talk um... about, we can't talk about future recruits, right? Well, you can definitely I mean, I, talk about guys yeah. that Rutgers are looking at. Yeah, right, sure. So, so, so I was just thinking, in a way, um, who's taking Austin's place this week? It's the freshman, right? Young, right? Yes. Right. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud, like as if it's a chessboard, and it's not what you want necessarily. But could you go along with this hypothesis? In a way, maybe it's not so bad that. Young will be starting because his brother will get to see him again playing, you know, from a starting position, and that may help him in making a decision towards us. Just a theory. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've seen that a couple times on the board already. Ash is going to play the best place to put him in position to win. At the end of the day, if, he, if you can help him win, he's going to play you. That's pretty much how it's going to go. Okay, just, just wondered. Yeah, I mean, I think long-term, though, it definitely – He'll, it's gonna. It, it may be a tough day for him, but it'll be one of those things where he'll go back and and gain for the experience. But yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If, you know, Austin could play. Austin would have played. But um, you know, I, I don't think. I, I, I you know, I think uh, Rucker is like anyone who's going in to try to win. Uh, and you know, Austin would have been a big part of that. Uh, you know, uh, equation. But um, so, you know, I guess. 
what what is the, the mood of the team? I guess you know, he obviously shut out two times in a row. I believe you know against Ohio State, uh, the numbers are a little bit ugly, but um, mm-hmm. you know you've been around the team, so you know are they maybe feeling like, hey, we're going to go out and try to you know show well, uh, you know, in this game. Yeah, no, I talked to um, Tyshawn Fogg yesterday, and I talked to, to Mike Devertov yesterday, and both of them, they're excited. They're excited to play. They're excited to play against number four team. I asked them both if it bothers them that they're so much higher ranked than them, and they said, nope, we're ready to play. We don't care who's on the other side of the ball. We'll be ready to ball out no matter what. So that was the quote of the day pretty much. Well, uh, it'll be a tough task, but I think um, – you know, I think you know as far as the what the fans want to see, you know, you want to see improvement, and um, you know, just like I said, fifty-six nothing, fifty-eight nothing the last two years. So, you know, let's get some points on the board and, and keep them out of the fifties. At least, you know, uh, that's a start. But, um, Rich, I appreciate you um, coming on. We definitely uh, have to have you on again in the future. And uh, like I said, maybe we'll do this, uh, you know non-revenue sport. Uh, uh, show and you know we can uh, talk some wrestling and uh, basketball, soccer, or you know lacrosse. Yeah, let me know. I know we got uh we got the only wrestling analyst out there for Rutgers, so let me know when you want to do it. Awesome. awesome. Nice talking well, to you. Thanks Rick. again. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Nice talking to you guys. Bye bye. All right, uh, Richie Snyder of the Night Report. Um, so Mo, you know we, we talked a little bit about this. Um, that we you know, uh we got to start putting our skin in the game and start making um, predictions on on these games that Rutgers <laughs> had. I think yeah, I, I think it was fair not to do last week. Um, I mean, I, I you know I you know as much as you read and want to talk about, it, you're not going to know enough about a team like Texas State to 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 really uh, you know come up with a fair. And I think we both could chalk us gives ourselves want to know. Um, exactly. You know, for last week. <laughs> uh, and now, I don't know what your feelings are ahead of this game. Um, we'll have uh, Chip coming on shortly to talk from the Ohio State uh, point of view. But you know, what do you what do you what do you want to see out of this game? So, one of the things I guess, just you know, as we're ta- as we're discussing it, um, I just want to kind of digress slightly. I've been to Las Vegas a number of times. And I've bet on Rutgers every time I go. Um, I never bet against Rutgers. And from a, a prediction standpoint, I actually think, I was thinking about it, I really need to come up with two predictions. One is your head and one is your heart. So from my heart, um, let me just phrase it this way. They just beat a Pac-12 school 77-31. If you watched any part of it, I saw some of the highlights. And um, I know some, some people from Oregon State. They had a running back who in two plays racked up 155 yards and two touchdowns. Very fast. So my feeling is if we can subtract 77, get it out of the 70s, out of the 60s, hopefully out of the 50s, if we can hold them down into the 40s, I would consider that to be a positive. And if we can score somewhere – I'm just taking a number at random, but somewhere in the 20s, even in the 30s, yeah, I understand there's no moral victories. But in this case, I think there are moral victories. At some point, we're going to have to start winning these games. 
I don't think we're ready for it now, not only because of the injuries and the other item I mentioned before, I just don't think that we're quite ready yet. Give Artur a time to mature, no pun intended there, but or, or wasn't trying to make it rhyme, but the point is let him mature, put some more pieces in place, get some more linemen, get some more defense. I'd like to see us start knocking off the big four. And, and Ohio State is probably the biggest of the big four. So I guess realistically what I'm looking for is a decrease of about 30 points of what they scored last week and for us to put up somewhere between 20 and 30 points. I don't know if that's doable or not. Time will tell. We'll know on Saturday. So was that your heart or your head? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that was your heart. It, it, it was my heart. My head is telling me that the score could be – history means, as you know, nothing. Because some of the players who were in the game two years ago aren't here now. So, so what? It means nothing. So from a – but if you just look at the difference in talent, theoretically, um, and then you take a look at some of the other things, which is the, the fact that they have a coach who was suspended – but yet is practicing with the team this week. That's a whole other topic that I wanted to bring up for a moment, not necessarily with the guy from um, the Ohio State team, but I just wonder about that. If that was Rutgers, I doubt it would be happening that way. I guess from a head standpoint, I would be looking at it like something in the 50s again. That's when, that's when the, the pedal will come off the metal. And they're probably looking to pitch a shutout. So what we want to do is we don't want to get shut out. And I don't want to be limited to one score. I'd like to see us actually put up multiple, multiple points. If we can stay with them at least through the half, that's a, that's a starting point. That's something to build off of. And I would hope that the team and the people watching the game and recruits would realize, hey, this is a team on the way up. So yeah, maybe I, I, something you know, like – yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Let's, let's give you a number before I – uh, all right, well, so I would say something like 52 to um, 24. What? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I think um, uh, it, it's going to be difficult on the 24 part. Uh, you know, just, just thinking about whether you go back to, uh, you know, I guess it was 2014, um, which was their, or, or sorry, 2015, which, no, it was 2014. So that was uh, 56 to 17. And that was with Nova, who I believe was a senior. And you're talking about um, uh, a Rutgers team that was yeah. after, a, yeah, that was a Rutgers team that was a bowl team that year. And it was 14 to 7 after the first quarter, which, if, if optically they can do something like that, I'll take that. Um, and yeah, I, I just I think getting into the twenties would be, would be, yeah. Something where you can just hang in there a little early and it's, it's going to happen. What's going to happen. And uh, you know, it, it, it's, it is what it is. And, uh, but most importantly, get out of this without any more injuries and, 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 and gain some experience in terms of, you know, Sikowski and, and some of these young guys, they played so many young guys you're playing in front of a stadium of a hundred thousand people or, you know, whatever they'll have, uh, you know, number, I'm sure, you know, being the nineties, obviously. Uh, and, and that's, you can't, that's invaluable experience. And at certain point, you know, that's got to help 
you know, the following week when they go into Kansas, uh, you know, I, I don't care, you know, so, so, so we'll see. Um, so uh, if I'm going to do you, I, I'll say, you know, my heart would, would, would say, you know, 45, uh, uh, you know, to 20 or, or something like that, you know, um, but I kind of agree with what you're going with, uh, you know, um, you know, about, you know, 52 to 17, probably more realistic or, you know, you know, 49 to 17, maybe, uh, want to, well, we're uh, going to have, our, get we're going to have our Cracker Jack, we're going to have our Cracker Jack team of, uh, analysts breaking down our statistics so that when we make these predictions, whoever, you know, everybody will know whether or not we're right or wrong, including us. So right now we're on the line. I mean, we're, we're marking our space, right? That's right. Well, with that, um, we're going to move ahead now and welcome um, uh, Chip, who is uh, going to give us some of the Haskell point of view. And, um, yeah, I think we have a, a, you know, a storyline here that, you know, as far as uh, you already alluded to with um, Urban Meyer uh, serving, you know, quote-unquote suspension or whatever exactly you want to call it, um, but at least the storyline being that for Rutgers fans, um, you know, Greg Schiano, who was the defensive coordinator and, uh, you know, acting, I would assume, in, in a role of, of prominence uh, uh, this week is, you know, making uh, uh, a, not a return, but is obviously, you know, going against his, further t- his older team. So that's a storyline as well. Uh, but, yes, yeah, Chip, I want to welcome you uh, uh, to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yes, I know we worked together with um, with Shannon in the past, and um, uh, now I believe you're you're on the Ozone now, right? Is that a different uh, podcast that's, that's, or, or something? Yeah, 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 that's the that's correct. Uh, the Ozone dot net, and I'm a contributor in terms of articles as well as a uh, we have a series of podcasts uh, throughout the week, but the the podcast that that I'm uh, associated with, with the ozone is uh, um, the silver bullets podcast. Um, I'm on with uh, um, a gentleman by the name of Michael Citro. Uh, Shannon Summers is occasionally contributing when, when he can, but we have a series of podcasts that are devoted to Ohio state football. So last week, um, you know, Ohio state coming off this 77 to 31 um, score, you know, obviously, when you're Ohio State, you, you, you know, you, you, people are not happy with, you know, the, the 31, um, you know, while most of the country would be pretty excited to put up a, a score of 77 to 31. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you know, can get into, you know, the thoughts on that. But, um, you know, another storyline is uh, the quarterback uh, uh, who Dwayne Haskins, a lot of people are familiar around in our area because, um you know, I, I, he he gave Rutgers a look. Uh, you know, I, a lot of times players, you know, I think sometimes it seems like they're doing it out of, you know, just obliging. He did have some connection, but, you know, he did. He, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, um, you know, and then obviously Ohio State were, were in that. So uh, he's a young player. Obviously he played a little bit last year, but um, what were your thoughts about, you know, him, you know, in his first game as the, you know, as, as the man, you know, of, of this team? It could not have gone better for Dwayne Haskins in his first start as an Ohio State quarterback. As you said, you know, he was 
you know, he was heavily recruited. Uh, you know, he was originally verbally committed to Maryland. He, he switched his commitment to Ohio State late in the process. And at the time of his signing, even Urban Meyer said that this is a young man with, you know, his arm talent is, is exceptional. And, uh, you know, for any Rutgers fan who had grown accustomed to uh, the seemingly never-ending career of, of J.T. Barrett at the helm uh, at yeah. Ohio State. Uh, the, the offense is going to look different. Uh, you know, you're looking at a guy who is a pocket passer. Uh, his he has mobility. I, mean, I don't want to I don't want to discount uh, his legs by any stretch of the imagination. But where he is going to hurt Rutgers this this season, um, as well as other Big Ten opponents down the road. Um, it's it's with his arm. I mean, he he has a he has a first round caliber NFL arm. Uh, so um, he came out uh, and you know directed Ohio State's offense flawlessly. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards, uh, five touchdowns. Uh, now, I will say, and, and again, you know, I I write and podcast for Ohio State. You know, I'm I'm kind of one of those people like, hey, let's kind of put this in perspective it was against Oregon State which is coming off of a you know a disastrous 2017 season they only won one game last year and you know so let's not you know put him you know into you know a Heisman Trophy candidacy yet I don't care what the Las Vegas Ozmakers are doing nowadays the reality is though I mean for somebody making their first start uh, he he truly, uh, if, if he didn't surpass expectations, he certainly realized them. Yeah, certainly very, very impressive uh, numbers. And, uh, you know, I guess we were talking about it here when we, earlier. And one, one of the strengths of Rutgers uh, is their secondary, uh, at least their starting secondary, and, and they're going to be down, uh, you know, uh, a potential high draft pick in, in Bless Austin. Uh, and, you know, I think that was something that would have been, if they were going to give some troubles early, uh, you know, he's still a young quarterback and maybe want to, you know, take some chances uh, against guys that are not as open as you may think. And, uh, you know, that would have been an opportunity there. So, uh, but you know, like you said, still look very sharp. He's a young quarterback and, and you know, there's a lot of talent on this team. So um, now uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the, so what is Urban Meyer's role this week, actually? Uh, he was allowed to practice, but he's not coaching, right? Correct. Uh, you have that right. So essentially what the punishment has been meted out that he, you know, since, since the beginning of August, he has had little to no uh, involvement with Ohio State whatsoever. I mean, he wasn't on the practice field uh, because when everything, you know, kind of uh, when this scandal kind of hit, uh, you know, Ohio State, uh, they had him off the off the practice field. They confiscated his phone. I mean, all, the, all these things that I think the national media has kind of, you know, if, for lack of a better word, you know, kind of, you know, just presumed like, oh, okay, well, he's secretly behind the scenes pulling the levers and pulling the strings. The reality is, no, he was not involved on the practice field whatsoever, until this this week and the way that it works is he was not involved with the team uh through the Oregon State game 
and the punishment will be that, you know, as of Sunday through Friday night, and I'm not exaggerating, Friday night at 11.59 p.m., uh, he can be involved in team activities, and then from that point on, uh, for the next 24 hours, so that's, this is where Ryan Day comes in, as of 12 midnight until 12 midnight on, on uh, going into Sunday morning, uh, he has no involvement with the team. So Ryan Day will be the acting head coach, and then that's where Urban Meyer will again get to be on the field coaching and being involved in terms of the game plan and all of those things that you would expect uh, from a head coach, but he is not going to be involved. He's not going to be, uh, he hasn't done any kind of media uh, in interviews, even though he is at the practice fields and, and you know, at the practice facilities, he's not involved. So, um, you know, we talk about it, you know, of course, Greg Shiano being the defensive coordinator um, and, you know, some people were expecting that he would have been in the interim, but, what is his role in this? Um, or is he strictly sticking to the defensive coordinator? Um, or has he been taking, you know, a little more duties, uh, you know, at least maybe in in the consulting part of, uh, of, of being a coach? That's a really good question. Uh, supposedly that he is, as you, as you said, you know, more on the, on the, on the strictly defensive coordinator side of the, Uh, of the equation. My suspicion is that considering the fact that Greg Schiano is a previous head coach at Rutgers within the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, that I believe Ryan day is leaning on him heavily in terms of suggestions and advice and what to do. Uh, That's probably if there is, if there is a benefit to this entire situation is that Ryan Day, who has never been a head coach up until last week, uh, or I should say, you know, throughout the month of August, you know, as the, as the interim head coach, uh, Ryan Day has been able to lean on people such as Greg Schiano, as well as Kevin Wilson, who is the former head coach in Indiana. Uh, Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day are co-offensive coordinators uh, with, within Ohio State. So, it's a much, much, much better situation for Ryan Day than if it had been just a a pure suspension of Urban Meyer and, oh, by the way, you have nobody with any head coaching experience on the assistant coach staff to to help you or guide you through this process. Just just a comment, Mo. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um... I can I can empathize a little bit with you uh, with with Day, but but I, I'm just going to quote something from uh, baseball terminology. Back in the sure. uh, 50s, the Yankees had just murderers row, Mantle, mm-hmm. uh, Scourin. I mean, you, you could go on. Yogi Berra. They had they had every, yep. basically everybody. And they asked Casey Stengel one time, "How do you manage?" He said, "I just put the, I just put the names on the paper, and that's it. There's really nothing to do." I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but I think if you take a look at, it's not just a disparity between Rutgers and Oregon, you know, and, and Ohio State, but the reality is, is that you've got playmakers virtually all over the field. You've got talent that was 
deemed, you know, in the, in the upper echelons all over the field on offense, defense, and special teams. And while I'm sure it's important later on down the road as they meet teams that are more equal, um, I have a feeling I could coach um, Ohio State. I wouldn't do it, but, uh, <laughs> but I think I could coach Ohio State and they'd win against Rutgers in this particular uh, venue. Um, I, I am – no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please finish. No, that's, that's right. Then I'll give you my – no, I, um, I agree with you. Um, and I, I mean this with no disrespect to Rutgers or Oregon State, and that is uh, there are a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, across the, across the country. It might be, it might be you gentlemen. Um, it might be, you know, regardless of whether they, they play Ohio State or not, they're basically Crimea River, you know, like as you said, you know, like the, the talent – on hand uh, within Ohio State. I made the comment earlier uh, before the season even began that when you look at the talent that Ohio State possesses, uh, NFL scouts are clamoring in anticipation for not just next year's NFL draft, but subsequent NFL drafts because the, the recruiting that Urban Meyer and his staff, the, the talent that they have accumulated is, is on par with it. I mean, it's, it's basically among the best in the country and I'm including Alabama and Clemson. I mean, like a lot of the, the guys on Ohio state's team were recruited by some of the best programs around the nation and they're, they're, you know, third and fourth string. So, um, you know, case in point last week against Oregon state late in the game, uh, you know, Ohio state had the game well in hand, and they had their, their second and third string, you know, offensive linemen in getting them game repetition. And while their true freshman running backs came in, uh, there was, you know, by and large, you know, uh, a person by the name of, of Brian Sneed, he came in. And they, were, they weren't running anything sophisticated, by the way. They were, just, they were just running the ball, and Brian Sneed, you know, scored a touchdown. You know, and it wasn't as though Ohio State was chucking the ball down the field. Okay, just running, lining up, running the ball. Brian Sneed scores a touchdown. Later on in the game, you know, same thing. Another talented freshman running back by the name of Master Teague did the same exact thing. You know, he, he scored the final touchdown. You know, a 31-yard touchdown. And you know, when you look at the box score, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like they're running up the score. Well, okay, if if you're lining up and you're just running the ball and the other team can't stop it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm naive, uh, but I'm just, I'm of the opinion, okay, if you're going to run the ball and you're, you're with your backups and these are, as I said, these are really talented players that are trying to garner right. more playing time, right? They're not, they're not going to go in there and play, excuse my language, you know, like they're not going to play, you know, uh, you know, half, Blank, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, like they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna play. You want them playing full ability. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think exactly. I think sometimes it, it's even, it's even, it's even worse because, as you said, if it's a, you know, third string guy who's a five, four or five star guy, he he's chomping on the bit to get there. So, um, yeah, I don't think anyone's accused Ohio State of running up and and. and 
Um, you know, fortunately, <laughs> uh, I could think of two games in my mind uh, where Rutgers has been on the other end of that, where, uh, you know, they've ended up with ugly scores where, you know, the other team is just trying to, you know, you know, run an offense, like you said. But, um, you know, one thing, looking at Ohio State, you know, they you – know, obviously, it's, it's either you go into the season, you got to win the national championship, or, you know, it really was not – you're not going to say unsuccessful, but but that's the goal, right? I mean, it's Urban Meyer. You mm-hmm. got this, this, this talent. Correct. You got to win the national championship. Um, I think, you know, we listened to your explanation a little, you know, about as far as Urban Meyer's duties, but I think, and just how I see it, I don't know, you know, most people outside just say, like, you know, it's, look, it, it, it was not much of what you want to call a suspension. Um, and, uh, you know, it, he's going to be back in there. You're you're, you're playing um, probably one of the. I, w- I would say having Oregon State, Rutgers, TCU, and Tulane in a row. Um, you know, it's not one of the tougher uh, non-conference schedules they've had. So, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, where do you see? Um, do you see that coming back at, at a certain point? Obviously, the Big Ten. East division has, it's very difficult. So you're, you know, you're still playing against uh, Penn state and uh, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to have Michigan. Who's that? But what do you mean? Penn you, state? <laughs> we'll say the other school <laughs> out west. So, right. Yes, that's right. So, you know, where, where, do you see the schedule at any point um, being something that, that will kind of come back um, at the end of the year? Well, actually, yeah, I, I do at the end. I mean, it's – and, again, this is just one person's opinion. So, um, you know, for the Ozone, one of the things that I, I wrote about is – and this was before the suspension, uh, you know, even before, you know, everything with, um, you know, but with Urban Meyer, you know, at Big Ten Media Days. I mean, we're talking in the spring um, that when I looked at the schedule – a legitimate concern I had, and it's only been amplified as a result of Urban Meyer's suspension, was the Oregon State game, the Rutgers game, Ohio State heavily favored to win both. They go down to, to they're going down to Jerry World. Uh, they're, it, it's a quote unquote neutral site game. I, I kind of scoff at that, considering the fact that TCU is 30 minutes away from you know, from that stadium. Um, my concern would be, as it relates to TCU, is are, you're going into a game against, let's just say TCU is a top 20 team. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the, I know that they're currently ranked higher than that, but let's just say a top 20 team. You're going into that game with a still relatively inexperienced quarterback on the road and not really knowing how good you really are. So that's kind of, that's, that's, one point of view. Now you throw in the fact that Urban Meyer is not going to be on the sidelines. So that kind of makes that game a little more dicey. I, I, I still believe Ohio State will win that, and I still believe Ohio State will be favored. Um, but that's that's one thing. And then uh, Urban Meyer comes back from suspension. So, yeah, the, the two-lane game should, should not be an issue. But then, you know, going on the road at Penn State – um, and I, I apologize if that's a offensive 
phrase, you know, I, I, I'm just saying that uh, going it's on not, the road I, at I, Penn. Go ahead. It's against it's against my religion. That's all. Just, okay. Well, I, I'm sorry. I did not mean to be offensive to anyone's religion. Um, it's all right. It's all right. So going on the road to that team in Pennsylvania is that is that okay? That's better. Okay. <laughs> more than likely, more than likely, that'll be a night game. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but they that team has announced it as their quote unquote whiteout game, which stereotypically means it's going to be at night. So that's always a tough place to play. So getting back to the getting back to the crux of your question, the latter part of the schedule is more challenging for Ohio State, considering the fact that. In November, specifically November 10th, they do go to East Lansing against Michigan State, and that's always a tough place to play, throwing the fact that Ohio State, for whatever reason, it was the only time during the Urban Meyer era that Ohio State thrashed Michigan State was last year, and that was coming off that debacle at Iowa. Most people thought, Okay, Ohio State, they're going to really, they're going to be in for it against Michigan State. And the next thing you know, I mean, like they just opened up, you know, a can of you know what on Michigan State, which was unexpected. So you know that the Spartans are going to be ready for revenge that game in November. And then two weeks later, and I'll just say that, you know, as we're recording this, you know, 79 days from now, I'm just going to refer to them as that team up north. Um, what we refer to around here as the game, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's at noon. Um, you know, so that, you know, to answer your question, I mean, there, there, it's not, it's not necessarily the most challenging of schedules, but I think the challenges are, are, uh, well spaced out, you know, throughout the season. Well, you know, so, so the I, thing I, is I, obviously you, you have to, you're, uh, it's not the most challenging, like you said, but you have to be perfect. So that that's a challenge. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think if they're allowed to slip up, and I'm just I, I'm I'm hoping, obviously, as an Ohio State fan, that <laughs> they will be perfect, uh, as any college football fan of, of their respective team wants. But I think the reality is, I think if there's going to be a slip up, it you know against. I'll just say, you know, not to be religiously offensive, you know, in at the end of <laughs> September, uh, you know, against a team, a certain team in Pennsylvania in the whiteout game, that might be, okay, you know, in the eyes of the college football playoff committee, understandable um, in, in the fact that, okay, well, that's a difficult place to play, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I would think it would be much more difficult to lose a game up in East Lansing in November or against that team up north in the latter part of November, Thanksgiving weekend, still be considered for a playoff spot because it's so late in the season. But that's just, again, just my opinion. You know, in in looking at this for a second, I just want to jump ahead for a second and and share something with you. The way you refer to them is that team up north. I really like that. I get, you know, every – it's nice to have a rival. And that's a whole other topic. Oh, yeah. uh, we're, not, we're not exactly sure who we're, who our rival is yet. It seems to be Maryland, but moving on to a different topic. Sure. Wouldn't it be great at some? Wouldn't it be great at some point? I mean, put it this way: you guys are what, scarlet and gray? Those are your yeah. colors, right? 
And you yeah. know what our colors are, don't you? Yeah. You, you know where you know where Scarlet came from. The 150th anniversary is coming up next year. The first game was Rutgers playing Princeton, and we distinguished ourselves. We differentiated ourselves by wearing scarlet ribbons because they were cheap. So I okay. you'll be getting a note from my attorney for you to give up your <laughs> colors immediately. <laughs> and also, we want Haskins back. Haskins has to come back. He's from New Jersey. We're claiming ownership. I'm just just letting you know that right now, along with the religious okay, now, issues. I'm I'm going to ask a legitimate question. I'm not I'm not mocking you know any copyright you know ownership and all that kind of stuff about the whole Scarlet thing. Is yeah. is Haskins from New Jersey or is he from Maryland? Because I was under the impression he was from Maryland. Well, we can I, we can look I, him up. I'm I'm fairly sure I'm fairly sure he's from New Jersey. Um, he was playing ball yeah. with Jabby and also knows most Sanu. So let me look him up. Okay. He yeah, I think I just, he's he, he had some um as a child he he played like Pop Warner with Jabby as a young guy. Okay. Yeah. Um and Sanu um who so Sanu in his senior year um was actually 19 years old. That's part of the reasons why he was a little bit under recruited. So he didn't play his senior year. So new uh, was coaching, helping to coach that team. Um, so well, I you, you have a good... it. Yeah, and then According he moved out this, to Maryland. According to this, he his hometown is Potomac, Maryland. On the other hand, he's got relationships in New Jersey. Um, right. So yeah, those guys. Know. But you know. Either way, um, we'll take him, and then you know, as um, as Sipkowski grows, <laughs> up, you know, he can you know can move to tight end, and um, you know we'll have um, some some talent over there. So <laughs> we'll take him back. Well, here's but here's yeah. the reality. Here's uh, just a, a quick interjection about how talented Haskins is, and this was this is something that I don't want. I, I, remember, I said a few moments ago, you know, like the whole Crimea River thing. Um, so he was. He was heavily recruited, came to Ohio State, redshirted his freshman year. So last year he was a redshirt freshman, and, you know, he played, again, he played sparingly, you know, in early season wins, and then he came in off the bench against that team up north up in Ann Arbor and actually, you know, (laughs) finished the game, all right? And he played extremely well, and there was a lot of belief that he might have to play – you know, in the Big Ten Championship against against Wisconsin and JT Barrett, you know, he was able even with a with an injured knee, you know, played and all that. Well, here's the deal: uh, Dwayne Haskins is a redshirt sophomore, so technically, by NFL draft eligibility rules, Dwayne Haskins could potentially, if he has a good enough season, he could leave for the NFL. As much as okay, like these proposed trades and giving back to us, all this kind of stuff. The reality is he might be bolting for greener pastures within the NFL, you know, and, 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 you know, like a potential checkbook, you know, know, uh, that he might be leaving for the NFL after this year, if he has a good enough season, that's a, that's a concern that Ohio state fans, like I said, that whole Crimea river thing that you guys, I'm sure, you're probably, you know, saying, oh, like, you know, what problems you guys have in Columbus? So, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess to, to, to to expand on that, the Crimea River, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, 
I was I was doing it, and I guess I think I might have been with Shannon, and, and I was looking at the first time that you know Rutgers was meeting, or like I mentioned earlier, you know they had a, they had an experienced quarterback. Um, and you know we're hoping for something. Yeah, of course you want to maybe shock the world, and I started to look and do the research of the, and they were younger at that time. Um, and, and you, you know, these names will roll off your, your name, you know, the defensive backs that they had back in, in 2014. And I started to realize, like, I was like, wow. Cause everybody was a top 10 player or top 20 player in the country. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, so if this happens, he goes pro, you know, then next up is Tate Martell, who's, you know, probably the second or third ranked quarterback in the country. So it, it it's amazing right. the type of, talent and depth that's out there. Um, there is one Jersey guy, though, right in the starting lineup, um, Jordan Fuller, who was injured last yes. week. Um, is he, is he, is he going to play? He should, he should be able to play. And the concern that the, the, the coaching staff has, like Greg Shiano, we talked about earlier, is it's a hamstring issue, which is, it wasn't anything that I guess, you know, and this sounds you know so disparaging to Oregon State that they that could he have played probably, but they they wanted to be precautionary. So he should be back in the lineup against Rutgers, but it might be you know on a, a limited basis because they don't want to do anything that might irritate or aggravate that hamstring issue and make it more of a of an issue throughout the the rest of the season. So yeah, Jordan Fuller. Like that one, I could see. You know, it's like if you guys want him back, because I know he is—he is from New Jersey, unlike Dwayne Haskins with the whole Potomac, Maryland. But you guys seem to—you guys seem to have your heart set on on trying to get Dwayne Haskins back, and I understand that. Well, Chip, um, hey, we're heading up on the hour mark, so I, I appreciate you coming on, and um, uh, you know, I would like to say I want to get out there. Uh, Jerry, to see when, a game when out we... there at some point. Go ahead. Why don't we ask our guest what he thinks the final score will be as well? I think it'd be interesting just to kind of hear it. And you can do it from your okay. head to your heart. I think in your, in your case, okay. it'll probably be the same. Okay. What well, do you think I your head tells you? Okay. My head tells me that, because uh, I, I, I couldn't help but hear the, you know, before I, I came on the air uh, with you gentlemen, you know, your, your final score predictions. I think we're pretty much all in the same boat. I, I believe, and this is it's very easy, uh, you know, to say that I think Chris Ash is slowly Rutgers more and more competitive. It's not easy within that Big Ten East with all the other teams and, and things of that nature. But um, I'm going to go, I think that Rutgers is going to score points against Ohio State, which they haven't done the last two years. And I think that uh, – this game will be um, closer into the second half before Ohio State starts to pull away. I'm going to go Ohio State 49, Rutgers 14. And that's well, hard and, and, and head. Yeah, that's – I hey, I you know, I, I saw that, that Rutgers against Texas State, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they had – I, I believe that they had three sacks. I think they had 11 tackles for loss. Now, again, that was against Texas State. Chris Ash, he earned his reputation 
you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I'm sure that he's going to try to do something that's going to confuse or at least, uh, you know, pressure Dwayne Haskins into making mistakes. I don't know how successful he'll be. Uh, I think Rutgers is going to try to control the ball with the running game because you had three running backs that each went over 60 yards against Texas State. I think they're going to try to do everything they can to minimize the pressure on their talented but very inexperienced freshman quarterback in Art Sikowski. Those are just my you, – you asked for my opinion from the head. I think Ohio State 49, Rutgers 14. What about from your heart? You looking for a bigger score? <laughs> hey, <laughs> of my, course you're going to want a bigger is, score. My from my heart, it would be nice for a bigger score, but you're, you're talking to somebody that, um, you know, I, I uh, am always of the mindset that as long as Ohio State has more points on the scoreboard than their opponent at the end, you know, not to get greedy, not to get, uh, you know. You know, like I said, you know, it, it's one of these things. Ohio State fans, um, it would be it would be fair to say that there there are a there's a large segment of the Ohio State fandom uh, who have become you know very complacent with you know the success of not only the Urban Meyer era but you know what preceded it you know somewhat you know immediately with you know Jim Trussell like they have forgotten. uh, a lot of the frustrations that that took place during the John Cooper era against that team up north, for example, since I know you enjoy Mm -hmm. me hearing you say that. Um, So the fact that Ohio State has been successful with recruiting and, you know, in big games and, uh, you know, all all these things, uh, yeah, in in my heart, would I like to see a a larger, uh, you know, uh, aspect of victory? Sure, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily thinking that. As I said, I have respect for Chris Ash. I know, uh, if anything, you know, like you know, like the how difficult his job has been. I would only hope that Rutgers fans are going to give him the benefit of the doubt in, you know, giving him, you know, a lot of the the time and patience to see this rebuilding effort through. If anything, I, I guess I have to ask you guys you know, is, you know, like the, the job that Greg Schiano did, is that looking better and better as, as more time goes by, or is, he, is Greg Schiano kind of looked at as a pariah within the Rutgers fan community? No, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I'll, I'll jump in because I, I think, um, you know, it was it's a unique situation with what Greg did here and what he built. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you have the – Rutgers was really close, you know, too. And, and we're not saying, I'm not saying this as a fan, but, um, you know, go back to the 2012 team uh, that had a tremendous defense, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, going on to the NFL. And one of the things I say, like, I, I always say to my friends, like, I kind of, you know, like an ambassador. And, and um, you know, to put it, you know, the, the, the Michigan game, 78 nothing, whatever, was, was something that will hurt and hurt for a long time. And, um, you know, as I told people, is Rutgers didn't stink at that point or stink, or, you know, at any point because they're in the Big Ten. And it was because they don't have the players that they actually had at the end of that era. And, um, you know, Shiano, where he was in 2012, was, was bringing in, 
you know, not only the quality of players that, you know, I say, you know, the Ash is, you know, recruiting right now, but guys at the higher level in New Jersey, the four-star players that, that were doing it, and then coaching up guys that are going on to the NFL. He, he's a defensive back coach, you know, by trade. Uh, there was a, in the 2012 team, I think four uh, are, of those guys went on to play in the NFL, including Marcus Cooper, who who's, was a third corner. So, you know, he was both a good coach and, and at the end a good recruiter. Um, you know, he and, and Mo probably will say the same thing, though with some of the talent he had, had seven or five seasons. So uh, I don't think he overperformed as a game day coach for sure. So um, it really was Rutgers what happened in replacing him that put them on, on the tailspin. You know, Shiano took, what was it, Mo, like nine guys with him to Tampa Bay? Uh, you, you know when he, he left, he took, pe- he took people from my, he took people from my personal family that didn't even play football. They went. So I, I yeah, yeah. So I want to you know, I want to set the stage here for a minute. Yankee Stadium was known as the house that Ruth built, and there'll be people who will disagree with this. But a simple way to look at it is Rutgers Stadium, as it stands today, is the house that Shiano built because that was his vision. He was a micromanaging guy. And I would use a different team than the one Jerry's using. You go back to 2006 and 2007, and you talk about – and Jerry, talk, Jerry and I talked about that last week. If you go back to 2007, you have the first quarterback who threw for 3,000 yards, a, a, a running back, Ray Rice, who was an absolute stud, who ran for mm-hmm. 2,000 yards, and two receivers, each having 1,000 yards. We would have been a handful for any team, anybody. You put that team, mm-hmm. if you could theoretically take that team, transplant them into this era, we'd stand up pretty well. We had Brian Leonard in oh, 2006. Yeah. Jerry, I hope you'd agree with me. And that, that would have been a trap game for you because I wouldn't have bet against Rutgers on that one. Whether we played well, you right. there that's, or you played us here. So that's a, little bit, that's a little bit of my point was if you go back, that 2017 was 7-5. and five. You know, and 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 he lost games to to, to Cincinnati in certain games. So, you know, I, I, as good as he was, and he is a tremendous builder. Michael Mann put everything together. This guy would, you know, from I heard stories of where you know the kids play video games, and Rutgers changed to that block R, and and you know they didn't. They took a couple years to update it in the video game, and they got a call from Greg Schiano, and you know he understood everything from recruiting. Um, but the reason I brought the 2012 team was, uh, you know, uh, Tommy Savage, who was a quarterback at Rutgers in his freshman year, ended mm-hmm. up transferring out. And part of that was he was a very stern guy. And, and you know, Anthony Davis, who was a guard in the 49ers, ended up, you know, saying, like, I, you know, this guy's an you know, a-hole, let's say, you know. Uh, and he, he, he was very strict in his ways. And I think that held him back from the next level. But he was pulling in the recruits. And, you know, if I connect, let's say, that 2012 team with the defense I had and Savage never transferred out, they were, they were in the Sugar Bowl that year. And, and things would have gone differently at that point because now you give them another four years of recruiting and recruiting with the Big Ten behind them. So, but what I was meant point about when Chiano left and took 10 guys, what did Rutgers do? And any of us who are professionals, if somebody moves, you know, one guy moves to another firm and takes 10 guys with you, you don't give the job to the guy that he didn't take. 
<laughs> you know, there's a reason why he didn't take that guy, right? But that's what Rutgers right. did. And, you know, um, it just went downhill from there. And uh, so it's a fight. It's a long fight back. It's a perception battle. But uh, you know, hopefully Ash will. He's going to have to do it both on the coaching side. He's got to coach guys up, and you know, you know, just work their tails off in in the recruiting side of things. Well, well it I seems a, from I have, I have a, yeah, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say it from from an outsider's perspective. It seems that his commitment is on the defensive side of the ball, which is where his his expertise is, and I think that to me is is how Rutgers becomes more and more competitive within the Big Ten East, which also translates into you know all you need to do. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to minimize this, but you know, you win, you know, your your three non-conference games, and then, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you're playing against Indiana, um, which, you know, that can that can go either way. You know, now you're up to four, and then depending on, you know, any of the cross-division games, you know, from the Big Ten West, you know, if you can get to six, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's incremental. And it, it's not necessarily the, the the greatest bowl game destination, but those are the kind of things where it's like you got to kind of look at it like those are the kind of incremental goals that I think that you know, when you're rebuilding a program you have to have. Absolutely. Well, you're right, Absolutely. but you know, don't don't forget if you guys are going to show up in a national championship and you're wearing scarlet, why don't we just trade bowls? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Send them out you to Dallas and the tax <laughs> Yeah, you guys go play Alabama or Clemson. Why not? <laughs> uh, it would be a trap Both. game. Believe me. <laughs> Chip, I, I I appreciate you um, coming on, and um, we'll have to check back in with your score. Um, well, I'll tweet it out and see where we end up with our predictions. But uh, thanks again yeah, for um, coming on the show. Nice hey talking guys, to you. Thank you so much. Thank, it was great talking to you both, and uh, – Good luck to Rutgers, and I hope uh, any fans that are traveling out this way have a safe and enjoyable trip to Columbus. Have a good well, one. Yep, it was a good um, good chat. And uh, Now, have you been out to the Horseshoe yet? No, no. I have a uh, cousin who got a Ph.D. from Ohio State, but I don't talk to her anymore. No, I, I, she's actually very close, and she, she loves Ohio State. She's from New Jersey, and she supports Rutgers uh, in her own way, but um, no, I have not. I'm, 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 no, and I, I put it on the calendar for two years uh, for now. I, I, I made the trip out to Michigan. Um, I've been actually to Michigan before. Uh, for, uh, um, in fact, Michigan was the first game. Uh, I remember that, and I just remember that. It was, it was so funny because, you know, people who are familiar with the Big Ten – uh, and we knew, I knew Rich Rodriguez obviously from West Virginia. And, you know, here it is like third and one, and they're lining up in a shotgun, and then they get stuffed, and you just heard the groans. And this was game one. I was like, ah, this is not going to end up well. But I did go out to Michigan. I've been to Penn State. And I'm, after the last Penn State experience, um, and by the way, I, you know, I know I'm using the wrong term. Sorry, that school, uh, what is it, TTFP, right? Um, I actually I would, I would, out there. I would use other in, letters, in, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to spell. I, 
I, I had a good experience in seeing the atmosphere and seeing what it is. Um, but just not, it was, you know, that was the night game. Uh, and uh, I said to myself, I'm not doing any more of those big world games until Rutgers can be at least somewhat competitive. So my hope is in, um, you know, two years, this team gets some uh, experience. Sikowski will be a junior. Uh, you know, I might take that trip out to uh, Columbus and check it out. Well, as he's gaining experience and we're gaining more W's and we're getting more buzz, then the level of recruits will increase and our chances for actually knocking off some of the big four within our division will increase. And as that happens, then it's just, it's a circle right now. We've been on a, we've been really, how do I phrase it? Chris is doing a great job for what he's doing, which is basically trying to get us not to drown. And so we're treading water and I think we're doing, we're getting above water. That, that part's great. But realistically, at some point, we have to actually win some of these games against some of the big, the, the big four, and that includes that team from Pennsylvania. And we should Absolutely. have won the first. Now, we, now, we should have won the first think, game we played with them. Well, that was that was absolutely. Um, but yes, and, and, and I think you know, um, there's look this game here. You know, we did our predictions. Just get out of this. Make sure that you know everybody gets some good experience. No one gets you know injured. Um, and and then you like I said, there's five games, six games in there that um, you know, like you said, let's see if we can coach up these guys and they can make you know get some W's because that that's that's where it comes. You know, if, if it's going to happen, it'll happen in that stretch. So. Uh, well, look forward um, to getting back here next week and talking about this and um, looking forward to uh, you know, also that Kansas game and, and, and getting into that stretch that I'm talking about. So uh, hopefully we have some good positive news to talk about. And, and well, it was nice chatting. Uh, we'll, um, we'll do this again week. next week. All right. Have bye. a good week, Jerry. Right. Bye-bye. And everyone, thanks again for coming on um, our big show. It's on iTunes. You can subscribe. Um, um, I'll post and, and tweet this, uh, get it out there for tomorrow. Um, we'll try to do this so that, you know, you know uh, it'll be out, you know, for Thursday mornings and Friday mornings. And um, appreciate everybody listening. Make sure to subscribe and uh, review us on the iTunes.